0: in chapter 5. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, just for the opportunity to come and worship you, Lord God. Father, your greatness, uh, Lord God, is uh, incomprehensible, really, Lord God, to us. Father, we thank you, Lord God, through, through worship, Lord God, through the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, we're able, Lord God, just to taste and to see, Lord God, so how good you are. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God, we thank you for the the person in the presence of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that comes to fill, comes to empower, but Lord God, also comes to lead and guide us into all truth. So tonight, Lord God, that's our desire. Our desire is to know you, Lord God, so we can more effectively make you known, Lord God. Tonight, we just ask that all the distractions, all the other things, Lord God, that would uh, compete, Lord God, for our hearing, for those things would just be turned off, Lord God, just fade, Lord God, into the background, because we desire to hear your voice, Lord God, through your word tonight. And all the saints of God said amen, amen, and amen, amen. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to pick up tonight, uh, right there in verse 22. You know folks, we've been studying uh, really the last several weeks, even uh, right here in verses 22 and 23, uh, in regards to the fruit of the Spirit as it's been described here. If you'll remember, we broke these things down into three categories or characteristics. If you haven't been here in the past, those things are available online somewhere out there. Amen. It's out there, Kevin says. If you don't know where they're at, amen, join the company, because I don't know either. I just know they're out there. Amen. They're probably through sermon. What is it called? Sermon. Sermon, sermon, Sermon.net. Sermon.net. Amen. Google it and plug in Galatians study and probably my name or Raven Ministries, and you'll find all of those. And we're probably on number 60 or somewhere around there 65 in Galatians, so those are all there. But folks, if you'll remember, we broke these down into three categories or characteristics in relationship to the fruit of the Spirit. you remember we took some time on love, joy, and peace, or the fruit that is primarily Godward. There's certain things that God puts in our life that enable us to worship Him. Do you know why you love Him? Because He first loved you. Where'd you get that from? You got it from Him. And so the fruit of the Spirit of love enables us to worship Him. Because otherwise we wouldn't worship Him. We've got to love Him more than ourselves. Because that's really what worship is. It's a demonstration. As Roy touched on it during worship, is a demonstration of humility. So we become a little bit lower, and we exalt Him up. If He's lifted up, then He'll draw men to Him. Speaking first and foremost, obviously, of the cross of Calvary, but also in a place of of, of worship. So that love, that joy, that peace, all of those things are Godward. They enable us to be able to know Him and to worship. Then then we talked about long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. Those are the things that concern the Christian and his relationship with other people. How many of you know that there's probably people that you've come across that you definitely need a lot of long-suffering in regards to? And it's probably every single one of us. Why is that? Because he demonstrated that quality towards us. It would have been nice if every single one of us would have come neatly packaged and everything about us would have been fine. But regardless of where you've come from, uh, if, if you come from the most heinous background the most difficult situations, Or you've come from a place that that you were religiously lost. Uh, All of us, the the long-suffering of God found us in that place. And so we see that, the gentleness, obviously the goodness of God. And we talked about it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance and not man's sin that leads us to repentance. So finally tonight, uh, we're going to look at the final three of those fruits of the Spirit. And uh, fruit of the Spirit, I should say. Uh, faith meekness and temperance or another word for temperance is self-control uh, which concern the personal character of a person so if you're taking notes tonight what we're going to be looking at is those things that are designed to really demonstrate your personal character and who you genuinely are you know the difference between reputation and character right reputation is what who people think you are characters who you really are on the inside because a lot of people may think worse of you than Some people may actually think better of you than you actually are on the inside. And so none of those things are very reliable in regards to reputation. But what is reliable is that thing called character. So let me read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 to you tonight. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and such against there is no law. And so tonight we're going to look exclusively at the fruit of faith and and exactly what it means and how it should be revealed in the life in our lives, as spirit-led believers, how many of you know that we're to walk by faith and not by sight? And so, there's something that we're supposed to walk by. How many of you know that 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 uh, that the just or that those that have been justified live by faith? And so, if I've been justified by faith, you know, we what was it last week? They celebrated the the anniversary. What was it? The 500th anniversary of the the Reformation or something like that. And, uh, well, that was when Martin Luther got that revelation of justification by faith. And so we're justified, as we've seen it here in Galatians' letter, by faith. And so if we want to walk in the revelation of that, of justification, it's always going to be fed and fueled through this thing called faith. And so the statement I want to make to you tonight is that you will never be greater than your faith. You'll never be greater than your faith. How many of you believe that? we got a reluctant hand here. You always think I'm setting you up for that. That's, that's a statement that I hold true. Amen. I believe that. Anybody believe it with me that you'll never be greater than your faith? Amen. Now we got some people that are joining the bandwagon tonight. How many of you believe that you, you can be greater than your faith? Anybody? Okay, we'll get up here and we'll have a collegiate-style debate. And we'll find out. i just teasing with you tonight. But see, I honestly believe that none of us will ever be greater than our faith. Uh, you'll never be more victorious than your faith. You'll never be more victorious than your faith. How many of you know that this is the victory that the Word of God tells us? What? That overcomes the world, even our faith. And so if I'm going to have victory, my victory's not going to be any larger than my faith. How many of you have had different times in your life where maybe you struggled with getting victory? Well, what was the real problem? You were struggling in your faith. It wasn't you were struggling in a particular sin. It's just that particular sin that manifested in itself was only able to manifest itself because your faith was, was, was somehow not at the place that it needed to be. What about you'll never be more righteous than your faith? You'll never be more righteous than your faith. Do you believe that? Do you believe that, Caleb Davidson? I don't know if I said it or not. Do you, do you think that's do you think that's a, a, a fair assessment that I'll never be made right? Or I'll be never be more righteous than my faith? Well, I would say yes, because how are we made righteous? Through faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Uh, you'll never be more bolder than your faith. Right? It's the wicked that flee when no one pursues. But the who? The righteous are as bold as a lion. So if I'm no more righteous than my faith, then I'm going to be bold according to my faith. Faith is the thing that comes into our life that creates a boldness inside of us. And so if you have a problem with boldness, it really comes down to an issue of faith in our lives. You'll never be more, and I love this one, you'll never be more effective than your faith. You'll never be more effective than your faith. So if I want to be effective in whatever it is that I do, and I'm going to walk that out, I want my walk to be a walk of effectiveness. And so let me ask you because you guys that are here uh, on site here tonight, and maybe some of you folks that are listening through Facebook, you know, you go out into the streets and you preach a message. And you preach a message of faith towards God, right? And repentance from dead works. So that's the message that you preach. Do you believe it? Because your effectiveness in preaching that message, not the, not the effectiveness in them responding to that message, But your effectiveness in preaching that message is all going to be tied to your faith. Do you think that faith is enough? Do you think that the cross is enough? Faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Folks, listen, there's wholesale uh, 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 individuals, uh, churches, and denominations that their effectiveness has been curtailed by their lack of faith. And we're talking about places of worship, places, houses of, of faith. Why? Because as soon as faith begins to diminish, what do we want to do? We want to bring something else to fill in those gaps. And so we don't think to ourselves, listen, the, 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 the preaching of the gospel where faith comes from is not enough. So what we've got to do is we've got to add something to that. We've got to add to it our good works. Why? Because if you heard this, no one wants to, know, to hear how much you know. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds like something some guy cracking open fortune cookies would say on some mountain in, in, in some mountain somewhere in, in uh, outer Mongolia or something. And so people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, that sounds good. That makes a great greeting card or a bumper sticker. But is it compatible to the Word of God? Folks, listen, what, what people want, what people need, what sets people free is not Troy Bond's good works. That's not where we're saved from. And the second that I try to substitute something good that I can do, I might as well take down the old rugged cross and put up the red cross. The red cross does a lot of good things. They, they, they make a lot, of, a lot of great contributions to society. But nobody's getting saved and born again as a result of those things. And so for us, we've got to say, listen, I want to put my faith and believe that the word of God is not. Is there something going on behind me here? I feel like I'm in competition with the television. Somebody's... that's where all the eyes are focus. And so we've got to say that my effectiveness, everything that I'm looking at and going towards is always going to be tied together with my faith. Faith, the simple definition, which you guys know this, is peace-tease, right? And it's the what? The moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. Okay, what does that really mean to you, though? I mean, it's a great definition. But if I said to you, Caleb Phipps, listen, faith is the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. What does that literally mean? How do I apply that truth? into my heart and life in regards to the fruit of the Spirit. And so if I'm walking in the fruit of the Spirit of, of faith and faithfulness and all those other derivatives of that terminology, how does that moral conviction of the truthfulness of God produce that fruit in my life? And so it's not the mental acknowledgement of the reality of God, but rather it's a genuine conviction of or an established standard that's built upon the revelation of God by the Holy Spirit as we accept that redemptive work of the cross of Calvary for the means to salvation. And I want to say that again. It's a moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. It's not a, 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 a mental acknowledgement of the reality of God. Folks, listen, there's many people that believe in the reality of God that don't have any faith. You hear what I'm saying? I remember years ago when I was pastoring in Texas, uh Million remember this, there was a guy that came into the church. And he wanted help with something. And so I asked him what he wanted help for. And he told me he, that he needed somebody to help pay a bill or something of that nature. He just needed something out of, our, uh, out of our benevolence ministry. And so as I'm talking to him, I asked him, I said, so, do you really, do you, are you a man of faith? He said, absolutely. I'm, I, I got more faith than I know what to do with at the time. And this told me, I said, so I asked him a simple question. I said, so, where'd you get it? I said, where'd you get your faith? You remember what he said to me now? He said, mama. I said, what? I said, where would you get your faith? He said, I got it from my mama. Folks, mama faith isn't going to get it done for you. He said, you know what? Mama always lived a life of faith, and so I got it from mama. I said, well, there's a problem with that. I said, mama's faith uh, never sent Jesus to the cross. Mama's faith never raised him from the dead. That's not where faith comes from. And so I had to bring him back to that place and realizing what faith generally was versus not what it wasn't. So faith wasn't the fact that he saw Mama doing neat things and taking care of her family and and packing a lunch for him when he went to school every single day. Mama faith isn't going to get it done. And so faith isn't that that mental acknowledgement of something that Mama was good and Mama had enough religion for the whole family. But there's got to be a moral standard that's been derived from a, a knowledge of Christ Jesus that sets the bar high for us. And so if I've got this moral conviction, what's conviction? What is a conviction? If you got accused of a crime and you were convicted of a crime, what would that mean? Not a trick question. What's a conviction? Anybody in here ever been convicted of a crime besides Pastor Joe? Amen. Convicted? No, he got off on a technicality. Amen. What's a conviction? Oh, well, you don't have to plead guilty to get it. It's a final judgment. It's, a, it's an established... Uh, uh, premise. It's something that is. So if I have a conviction, a moral conviction, that means that all the debate's over with. And so there's no negotiations anymore. There's no more testimony. And so if I have a moral conviction, that, that means that, listen, the gavel has been hit, the judgment has been settled. And so everything out of that is going to be sentencing. And so Your conviction is going to produce a particular sentence in your life. And so if you've got somebody that was convicted of second-degree murder, maybe they'll have a conviction of of 25 to life based upon the seriousness of that conviction. If you've got somebody that was convicted of jaywalking, chances are they'll pay a $30 fee and some court costs, and and it'll be over with. It'll be a sponge from the record, and nobody will ever know what happened. And so the seriousness of the conviction produces the, the, the fruit of that conviction in equal comparison. And so if you have a moral conviction of the truthfulness of God, what's the sentence of that? What's the standard that that created in your life? Folks, listen, we talk about being people of faith and the just shall live by faith. What is the standard in, where you, in which you live? And so is your life a testimony or the fruit of your life a testimony of, of a very high standard? Or it's one that has been minimalized? Or do you have jaywalking faith? Or do you have capital punishment faith, so to speak? And so, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about the the, the offspring. We're talking about something that comes from the Spirit of God Himself, not just some mental acknowledgement of reality. So then, the fruit of the faith in, in this Galatian letter is the demonstrative characteristics that must accompany transformational commitments. And so, if I really have the fruit of the Spirit, that means that not only am I making some type of commitment to God with my mouth, but there's something that is evidenced in my life. And so we know what Hebrews says. It says the testimony, the testimony of faith, in, in many cases, has no power until the testator is dead. Until there's been a final judgment upon that testator. Folks, listen, Galatians, we, we studied it uh, in, in depth, Galatians 2.20, that we're crucified with Christ. And so somebody gets crucified with the purpose of what happening to them? Dead. Not to become uncomfortable, Not just strictly to identify themselves. It's not like the clowns that come up in front of the cross on Bourbon Street and they they want to take a selfie to show their friends and they stand there with their head tossed back and their tongue hanging out and they hold their arms outright. That's not what being crucified with Christ is. Crucified with Christ literally means that I've come to a place where I acknowledge that my life ends and His begins. And so if fate is coming from that place and I'm crucified with Christ, that means that there's going to be something that is evident in my life from that place forward. And so the only thing that survives the cross is that which he is able to resurrect. You remember the story when, when, when he uh, uh, received uh, word that his friend Lazarus was dying. And it says that, that he waited, that he didn't get in any hurry to, to make that little couple mile walk from Bethany back uh, to, the, to, to where Lazarus was. And when, when, when Lazarus died, they came out to meet him. And, and he told them, listen, he gave them good news. Listen, don't worry about that. Lazarus is going to live again. Well, I know he's going to live again. He says, you know, in, 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 in the next life. He said, I've got news for you folks. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the resurrection and life. And so faith causes the resurrection and the life to be made known to us in the Now. Did you hear what I'm saying? So if he's the resurrection and the life, I've been crucified with him, then I've been plugged in to an effective means of faith that not just gives me a a, a, a a confession or says something, but it's demonstrating certain qualities in my heart and life. And so it's where walking the walk intersects with talking the talk. Folks, listen, you know, you're talking about talking the talk. We get people all on the streets all the time that are threatening to do all kinds of wicked and mean things to us, right? Now, they do that. And you know what? Most of them don't ever walk that walk. Now, you look at the tragedy that happened in in the church in in Texas near San Antonio this past week. Do you think that that guy uh, sent a telegram and he said, I'm going to let y'all know I'm going to be there in about 30 minutes and I'm going to open fire on this church. He didn't do that. What did he do? He has killed what twenty-seven or twenty-nine people from eighteen months old up until their seventies. He did an atrocity. So he did something in, in evident and to display the wickedness and the evil of their heart. But folks, for us, we can't just say, "Listen, when I'm a Christian, or I'm going to do something, or I've got this," without the demonstration of those things. And so, just as that person of wickedness was willing to demonstrate evil, are we uh, uh, willing to demonstrate righteousness? In, in an equal proportion to it. And so if I'm truly walking by faith, is there evidence of that faith in my life? This is where the confession of faith becomes the characteristic of faithfulness in my life. Uh, I think it was one of the guys, day they were talking about uh, a prayer meeting that I was at. Was that you, Caleb, or somebody else was sharing a prayer meeting that I was at in Texas? And, and one of the guys, as we went around the circle, he said, listen, I want to be, it was Gideon, wasn't it? Gideon said, listen, I want to be, the man said, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found full of faith. Not, I want to know which direction to face the door in the church, or I want to know whether to buy, you know, certain 30-minute segments on radio or an hour long on television. Man, I want to be found faithful. And if I'm found faithful, if the fruit of faith is evidenced in my life, you know what, everything else is going to be taken care of. Why? Because the right standards have been established. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans 12, 3 says this. Before you open your Bible, does anybody know what Romans 12.1 says? You don't have to quote it. You know what it says, right? Huh? Do you know what Romans 12.2 says? Huh? Don't be conformed. That's all I have to say to prompt you. You probably know that. Okay, don't open your... Does anybody know what Romans 12.3 says?
1: That's where the wheels kind of come off, isn't
0: it? Okay, well, let's look at Romans 12.3, and then we're going to back up in 12.1 and two. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... This is 12, 1, 2. Let me go up to 3 first. I'm going back. I'm going to go in reverse here. He says, For through grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. This is what Roy was talking about during worship. But to think that you have sound judgment as God has allotted to each person a measure of faith. For through the grace that was given to me to every man among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think of yourself. He said, but I want you to think having sound judgment because God has allotted to every person a measure or amount of faith. Not to some people. Not to the people that go to the right church or the right denomination. Every single one of us, there's something inside of us. There's that conscience that God says, that that ability to differentiate the the right and to differentiate wrong. So that's been allotted to every single one of us. Now there's something that's always going to activate that. Now, this will look very uh, familiar that 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 scripture comes on the heels of I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and don't be conformed to the image of this world but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can know or prove out what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God now think about this just for a second in light of those three verses living holy amen Giving oneself fully to God. Seeing that as something reasonable and not excessive. Being separate from the world or worldliness. Having a renewed mind and actually doing God's perfect will. All of these things, every single one of those things that I just mentioned can be attributed to the measure of faith that God has given to every single one of us. That's where all of those things come out of. He said it in, in verse 3. He told us to do all of these things. And he said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. <clears throat> he said, there's been an allotment of faith that's been given to you to do all of those things. And so each one of us are, are expected to demonstrate that if we're walking in the Spirit and displaying the fruit of faith. And so the fruit of the Spirit of faith is not optional fruit. You are either displaying this as a believer or you need to repent and get right with Jesus. And so we're talking about living holy and and giving oneself fully to God and and, and seeing that as just normal Christianity and not some Rambo move from the the spiritually elite and and having a renewed mind and and being able to walk in the perfect will of God. Folks, listen, that's not something excessive. Folks, that's just that that paltry stuff, that little, the, the tiny bit of faith that God has allotted to every single one of us should produce that. Now, folks, we tell people, listen, you know what? It's a process. Yeah, the process is repent and believe the gospel. Game over. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the process. I repent. I turn from my sin. God deposits inside of me a measure of faith that's able. He, go, he goes on, he talks about, listen, if you've got just the faith like a grain of mustard seed. He said you can speak to that mountain and say, be rude, be cast into the, the sea. And you know what? It's going to obey you. But, folks, for every single one of us, listen. It's not throwing mountains off of the the top of hills. It's being able to live holy, to keep myself dedicated to God, to see that as something reasonable, to become unspotted by the world, to see my mind renewed. Folks, that's what that little bit of granule of faith does. Why? Because of where it comes from. Now, folks, if that was mama's type of faith, listen, it would not be able to produce those benefits. But the very fact that it's God that deposits a part of Himself into my life, I have this supernatural ability to do every single one of those things that Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells me to do. And so when I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit, but what we've done is we've dumbed down salvation and we've dumbed down the fruit of God's Spirit. And what we've done is we've sent people in the back and we give them secondhand Jesus and second-hand faith. And so we get somebody, we say, listen, you just come to Christ, but you know what, you're probably still going to struggle. Well, I thought they came to Christ. I thought he was able to keep those things that we commit to him. Well, no, you're just a, a young believer. Folks, listen, when I got genuinely born again and started serving Jesus, I didn't say to myself, you know what, I guess I ain't going to church because there ain't nobody coming to knock on my door. I guess I'm not going to pray because, man, I didn't get the right book on prayer. I didn't say I'm not going to worship. Why? Because, man, I don't know what the the, the, the happening CDs are. And, and Jesus Culture hasn't come along. Or, or Hillsong United hasn't, hasn't been invented yet. You know what? When, when he deposited inside of me that faith and it was activated through my confession, man, something happened. Something happened inside of me. And I saw no reason to ever turn back. I saw no reason whatsoever to to, to walk in compromise anymore. I saw something that, listen, the smallest thing that I did, man, I was immediately convicted. All of those things that were contrary to him ceased to be okay. Now, that doesn't mean every time that I responded rightly to that, but that means that every single time I found myself getting out of bounds, someone inside of me, in the person of the Holy Spirit, said, son, you're out of bounds, you need to come back in. Now, I have a free will just like everyone else and I could keep pushing that aside or I could plug my spiritual ears and say, I know what you're saying, but I don't want to listen to you. But that measure of faith continued to draw me to a place of holy living, of being separated, having the mind of Christ and doing those things. But folks, it's so interesting how the body of Christ has been talked out of genuine faith that changes and transforms the, 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 the life of a believer. And back to Romans 12.3, it says, For through the grace given to me, I can say to every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. Men should not think of themselves more highly than they ought to. Now, I can say that, and I can say it three or four more times, and you're going to get a perception of what you think that means. And so if I said, you know, Emily back there, that girl just needs to stop thinking of herself more highly than she ought to. And if you didn't know her, and I I said that to people online, Emily John uh, Bonnie Jean Moser online so you can check her out if you wonder who I'm talking about <laughs> if I said that Emily boy I tell you what she needs to stop thinking of herself more highly than you ought to say. all these Facebook people saying, I want to know who this person is man she must think she's all that see you're going to get a perception of what that means right it says you ought not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think but to think is to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith now look at that contextually within all that right right How are we to judge? With righteous judgment. Don't judge outward appearance. So if I'm going to have sound judgment, it's not going to be reputation judgment. It's going to be character judgment, right? What is that? John 7, 24. Don't judge with outward appearance. But but judge with righteous judgment. Well, how do we judge with righteous judgment? Well, we judge through the eyes of faith and through the fruit of the Spirit which is faith. And so, notice Paul says this. He says, Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Don't think of yourself. This is what need about that. That, that word, to, to think of yourself, is the word which means personal perspective regulating behavior. So don't go from a personal perspective that regulates your behavior. It's lacking humility in a true sense of reality. It's lacking humility in a true sense of reality, okay? And so if somebody lacks humility, what does that look like? What does it look like if someone lacks humility? The prideful? The prideful? How does? What does that look like? That what does that look like? How does that flesh that out? What is that, how does that demonstrate itself? The devil. Huh? The devil, obviously he was prideful. Okay, if someone's humble, what does that look like? Okay. In what way? So if you saw a guy and you said, man, that guy's really humble. What would he look like? What would he act like? He'd let you cut in line? He'd put you before himself? I mean, what would he look like? What's, what does a humble person look like? Huh? sit <laughs> like me, you know. He's, he was voted most humble. His vote broke the tie. But you see what we're talking about? We're talking about pride and we're talking about humility in regards to faith. But how do, you know if you're, how do you know if you're walking in pride if you're walking in humility if you don't know what they look like? So what does humility look like? What does it look like? Uh, Davidson? Huh? Being unselfish? Being selfless? Which would look like what? And so I want you to go out. What I want you to do, Emerson, is this coming Friday night when we go to Preach to the Lost, man, I want you to go out there in humility. That's all I tell you. What does it look like? like what Jesus <laughs> did. That's the safe answer. Always look like what Jesus did. Hallelujah. If I said I want you to walk out humility this coming Friday night as you go preach the gospel, what would come to mind? Sermon. So, what would you do? You, you, I do, I keep asking questions because I want you to think about this because these things are important if I'm going to walk by faith I need to know what these aspects of faith are going to produce in my life I think it's interesting though that we always kind of deviate towards those same things we kind of look like so if it's a humble person that's a person that probably isn't going to demonstrate any confidence He's, it's definitely not going to be a person that's, that's very bold because if they're bold we're not going to accuse them of being humble we're going to accuse them of being prideful Right? But what about the righteous are as bold as a lion? So I thought boldness was the product of righteousness, not the product of pride. You, you see how we, what we've fallen into is this trap? So were the, the apostles of old that, that went into cities and, and they said that these, these men are, have turned the world upside down, were they prideful or were they humble? Well, they walked in an enormous amount of grace, didn't they? And so that was the outward demonstration of humility was a boldness in the person of the Holy Spirit and a faith. Folks, faith is going to produce a boldness in your life. Why? Because he gives it to the humble. Look what he said back here. He said, by the mercies of God, uh, verse 3, he said, listen, by grace is given to every man that. Not to think of himself more highly than you want to. This is self-focus or self-centeredness as a believer anytime that our focus gets off of christ and on self it will manifest itself in issues of pride and we'll talk about that and remove us from a dependence upon jesus and force us to rely upon the futility of our own abilities and this is huge and you can't miss this if you miss it the next time this question is asked to you you won't have an answer as well and so when hebrews 11 one says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. And you'll remember my message from party one of last year, and I preached specifically on this. Faith is the hypostasis. It's the, it's the reality. And so faith is reality. And so when people say that we're walking by blind faith, no, you're walking by, 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 by blind ambition. You're walking by blind deception. But faith is the only thing that gives us the eyes to see things from His perspective. And so I'm never going to see things from heaven's vantage point. I'm never going to live by faith unless I understand that I'm justified through faith in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And so there's an assurance that comes upon my life. There's a confidence not upon my flesh, but upon the person of the Holy Spirit operating inside of me. And so the flesh is deception. Faith is reality. The flesh or the works of the flesh is a deception. Deception. So we looked at the works of the flesh, and as anybody of you have walked in the works of the flesh, all that stuff that we talked about from lying and sexual immorality and drunkenness and all that stuff, well, that's a deception. And how many of you found out when you walked in that stuff just how deceiving it was, right? And so just as deceiving as those things are, faith is reality. And so fear, insecurity, self-sufficiency, even pride and arrogance, all of those things are the works of the flesh. And so if I'm walking by faith, where are my eyes at? They're always upon the King. They're always upon Christ Jesus. And so as a result, if I'm looking towards Him, the author and the finisher of my faith, what should that produce and manifest itself in my life? It's kind of like somebody coming up to you and and, and you've got ten bodyguards. And you've told them, listen, I don't want you all to show yourself, I just want you to stand around the room. And you know, these guys are big bodyguards. They're six foot four, 280 pounds of, of rock-solid muscle, and every one of them packing a 9mm in their vest, just to, just to make all things equal. And somebody comes in, and, and they're not armed, they're nothing like that, but they come in and they say to you, they say to you listen, I'm going to come here, I'm going to punch you in your face, and I'm going to do some, uh, some atrocities to you. Well, they don't know these nine people are with you, but you know they're with you. So do you think you're going to cower down to that person? No, what you're going to say is, listen, all I've got to do is snap, and they're going to be on you like white on rice. You know that. And so it's not that you're going to do anything. It's not that you're saying to yourself, you know, you don't have to lift a finger. Because you've got your eyes on these nine people, just like the nine fruits of the Spirit. You've got them, and you know that they're going to intervene on your behalf. And so, folks, it's the same thing. When I'm walking in the Spirit, I've got these characteristics of the Holy Spirit that people may not be able to see them with the naked eye. But there's a faith. There's something that's there that produces a standard and a boldness inside of me that enables me to do what my flesh could never do. Folks, since I'm nearly 51 years old, I get people threatening me all the time. Listen, I know a choke holder too, but if push comes to shove, if somebody really wanted to hurt me, they probably could. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not some baddest man on the planet. I'm not some ex-cage fighter. I'm not of those things. Listen, if I'm going to grab somebody, I'm not going to tell them I'm going to grab them. I'm going to slip up on them and I'm going to wrap my arm around their neck and I'm going to hold on for dear life knowing that hopefully the police are going to come. You hear what I'm saying? But it's not like I'm going to bow up to somebody and say, listen, you don't know who I was. I'm not going to say that because I never was. You don't know how tough I used to be. I was never that tough. I was never that cool. I don't have a reputation of that to have to defend. But you know what? I don't know who's with me. I know that if you lift a finger against the servant of the most high, God's subject to suck the life right out of you. Amen. I know that He will enable me. Why? Because He's called me to a place and He's going to enable me to lock somebody up. He's going to do that. Now, if I'm going and I'm thinking, man, I hope somebody gets out of line tonight. That way I can show off and, and take somebody down. And, and now, you know what? I'll probably get myself taken down and hurt severely. Amen. But if I know that I'm walking in the principles in the place that God has called me to, man, there's a confidence that comes into my life. No, you're not going to do anything because Daddy has not given you permission. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm walking in the power of God. There's a boldness that comes out of my life that's going to cause devils to tremble. No, you're not going to do that to me. No, you're not. I can't believe you have the audacity as a child of the devil to threaten a servant of the Most High. Period. Folks, that's not pride. That's understanding who you are in Christ Jesus and literally walking by Faith, but as a child of God, when we begin to say, listen, I can't do that. Folks, I got news for you. You never could do that. Do you hear me? It's kind of like in the garden. You know, why are you hiding? Because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? Because you've always been naked. Folks, for us, when we cease to walk in the Spirit, what happens? It begins to expose our nakedness, and we begin to hide. And I don't want anybody to see my fear. I don't want anybody to see my insecurities. I don't want to see anybody to see my inabilities folks, when i walk in the spirit, none of those things exist. I'm going to have a word to speak in season because he's going to give me that word. I'm going to have the ability to do those things that he's called me to do, because he's not going to guide me somewhere and not provide me the strength to do it. And so for us, the character established in our life, especially in that way of faith, we've got to realize that, listen, all of those things, they level the playing field for us. It's not because of the way I was raised. It's not because of what mama said or somebody talked bad to me or you don't know what I've been through or you don't know or I'm this and that because somebody didn't pat me on my little head when I was a little child. And so as a result, I'm this and that. Folks, listen, when I got born again, man, I tell you what, all of that yoke, all of that, 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 that tie-in to who I used to be and all of those things that kept me man, that stuff was cut off and I began became, became grafted into the vine through faith. And as long as I'm walking by faith, I receive the benefit of those things that faith promises in my life. Period. And so, yes, sometimes it's speak up, sometimes it's shut up. Sometimes it stand up, sometimes it's sit down. But I'm going to have ears to hear what the Spirit of God would say to me at that moment, and I'm never going to be so self-centered. I'm never going to think of myself more highly than I ought to and think, listen, my deficiencies are greater than His power in my life. Folks, that's a lack of faith. He said, I can't do that. Well, if God told me to do it, I can. and I've said this for years. There's nothing God's ever told us to do or had us do that we knew how to do before we did it. Does that make sense to you? He said, go. Well, we've never been there before. Well, yeah, and you'll never be there until you go there. I want you to believe for this. Well, God, I've never believed for something that big before. Yeah, and you're never going to know that you can until you believe for it. And so when I begin to walk by faith, what does it do? Man, it causes an increase and it becomes an undergirding of those things in my life. And so there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then there's the fruit of the spirit of deception. Colossians chapter 2 and 8 says this, it says, See that no one takes you captive, you got to hear this, See that no one takes you captive through the philosophies and empty deception, which are based upon human tradition and upon the spiritual forces of this world rather than upon faith in Christ. And so deception comes when I begin to put more emphasis and more trust in my human condition, or I begin to listen to the deception of spiritual powers rather than just simply listening to what Jesus Christ has said about me. And so that's the greater reality rather than the things that I see or what the adversary has said, and it's what God has said through his word. And so God has spoken through His Word. He's spoken through His Holy Spirit inside of me. And so now it brings me into a place of walking by faith or walking into a reality that my flesh can't comprehend. Man, how did you do that, Bethlehem? Man, I just trusted Jesus in that. Well, I know where you came from. I know what your past is. There's no way that you should walk in victory. There's no way that you should be whole. There's no way that you should be okay with the things that maybe life has, has dealt you that other people would fold up. because There is no way. I mean, you ought to be depressed. You ought to have given up. You ought to be on drugs. You ought to have problems. You ought to have, should have been through two or three marriages by now. There is no way in the natural you could have done that. You know what? Everything I say is absolutely absolute truth. There's no way in the natural you could have done that. Well, she was adopted. Well, it wasn't necessarily off the streets of Calcutta if I met Mother Teresa, but nonetheless, man, you should be dealing with rejection all the time and all of these things. But what happened? Man, she met Jesus and he allotted to her faith. And it not only changed who she was, but it changed everything that she did. And so the person that had nothing to say, suddenly they've got a word to speak. They can change and transform people's lives. Now, I want to believe that more than I want to believe your old flesh. Why? Because flesh and blood and insecurities and fears and all those other things will not inherit His kingdom. Why? Because His kingdom doesn't come with observation, His kingdom is inside of every single one of us. Empty deception, what it says, that's that word kinos, and it means that which is void of moral content it's that which has a false impression so the adversary wants to come he wants to bring this empty deception that pulls us away from the fruit of faith and the fruit of the spirit and so he gives us these false impressions and there's these forces that are at work they want to determine to give you a false impression concerning things in order to rob you of your faith or that moral content why is that important because faith is what It's the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. And so anytime I get deceived, it takes me from that moral content of that standard, of that conviction that God has for me. And so when I cease to see myself from the perspective of heaven, I cease to see myself the way he sees me, as as one that's seated with him by faith in heavenly places. Folks, that's who I am. I don't care who makes it mad. People say, you're cocky. No, I'm just convinced of what the Word of God says. I believe what Jesus says more than what my past says. I believe what Jesus says more than what my flesh says. And when I start believing it and I walk in the fruit of faith, what begins to happen? My character is built up. That becomes my reality. My reality isn't, man, I'm struggling every five minutes. My reality is, is listen, I can overcome because of faith. That struggle may come, but I'm not going to yield to that. I'm not going to allow that thing to bring forth death into my life. That thing's going to keep on coming. But you know what? I'm going to continue to ding, ding. I'm going to answer the bell, and it's going to have to meet me in the middle of the ring. Folks, that's what faith desires to bring into our life. We look at Hebrews 11 6. You know it. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For him that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So, the fruit of faith is essential to anyone hoping to please God. It's essential. And so, we look at these these, these fruits of the Spirit And we think to ourselves, well you know what, I'm really working on such and such. Well folks, you don't need to be working on faith, you need to be walking by faith. Do you hear me? Whatever faith is, because the smallest allotment of faith, and I'll say it again, is enough to overcome. I'm not talking about the faith in your flesh, I'm talking about the faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. The smallest, most minute fragment of faith is the thing that allows you to see all of those things that Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells you to do. And so it's essential. And so it can't be I'm working on it. It's I'm walking in it because I walk by faith. And so going to him, believing in him, wholeheartedly pursuing after him, this is what the aspects of the fruit of faith are defined of as the character fruits or those fruits that demonstrate who we really are the inside. And so if I'm walking by those things, then they begin to manifest themselves with me. And so without the fruit of faith, all other aspects of our walk with God will ultimately become null and void. It's the characteristic wherein all others flow. And so if I'm going to walk in any fruit of the Spirit, it's going to have to flow through the fruit of faith. Why? Because that's who I am. And so I can see all those things. Listen, I'm not going to be able to worship God and have all of those three characteristics we talked about in their, their God, the, that, God, that, that, that the three, the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, and peace. I'm not going to walk in any amount of love if I don't have faith. I'm not going to have any joy if I don't have faith. I'm not going to have any peace if I don't have any faith. Those characteristics that help me to relate to other people, none of those things are going to exist by faith. Why? Because faith is that gateway fruit in our life that everything else flows through. That's why we live by it. In him we live and move and have our being. Because faith is that evidence of Christ Jesus being in our life. He's become our reality above everything else. And God designed it for that. You know that from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace, you're saved through faith. Not of yourselves, not being self focused, not looking on your deficiencies, not looking upon your failures. By grace, we're saved through faith, not of myself. Not because of how Troy Bond was raised and I didn't have the right pedigree and my daddy wasn't sitting there doing Bible study with me every day. Not because of those things, but because Christ Jesus came into my life because of His grace, that divine influence upon my heart and it was reflected in my life through faith that was deposited in me. Even that minute allotment that He sent to me and boo, it changed not just what I did, it changed who I was. Not of yourself. Romans 12.3 Don't think of yourself. More highly than you should. See, some of you in here today say, listen, man, man, I wish I could be a certain way, but that's just not how I am. Anybody ever think of that? Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Stop worshiping your flesh. Stop walking in idolatry to your past. Stop walking in idolatry to your upbringing. Stop walking in idolatry because that 7th grade school teacher said that you are an idiot. Stop walking in idolatry to those things. Stop worshipping those things that somebody else said to you. And start putting your, your affections on those things that are above. And stop focusing on the flesh. Folks, that's not looking at yourself more highly than you should. Stop thinking that you have more power in the natural than God has given you in the supernatural. Not of works. So that no one would ever be able to boast for we are his workmanship created now because of faith under good works which God has before the ordained that we should walk in them. If we're walking in them and we're walking by faith, those things have got to flow concurrently with one another in our lives. So faith is the gateway characteristics to all things Christ in the life of the believer. So if my faith collapses, then everything else will follow suit. You hear me? If my faith collapses, folks, everything else will tumble because it is the foundation of everything else. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, greatness, uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, and meekness, and temperance. And so true love, true joy, true peace, true long-suffering, through true gentleness, through true goodness and meekness and self-control will never be known and maintained apart from true faith. Don't have any of those things. I've got to come back and say, God, I want you to check me at my level of faith. I want you to check me at, that, at that, that, that threshold, that place that everything comes into my life. In Romans 10, 17, you know it. What Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. How many of us in here, I'm not just saying how many of you, I've got both of my hands up and a foot. How many of you want to walk by faith and you want more faith? I do, every single day. I want to have a greater revelation of what that means. And so, that characteristic that we want only comes from one source. Not mama, but it comes from the Word of God. John 1.1, what does it say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. We know that He was God. When Jesus came down, He was the Word made flesh. And so, so, if faith comes by hearing... And it comes by hearing the Word of God. It means that I'm keeping my ears open and I'm hearing from God. I'm not hearing from my situation or my circumstance. I'm not hearing from my failure. I'm not hearing from anybody else. And so I've got faith to overcome, to walk in victory, to live righteous, to have my mind renewed. Why? Because I'm listening to Him. And constantly my mind is being renewed because I'm listening to what the Father says to me. And so that's where faith comes from. Man, I'm getting built up. I've got a conviction. I've got a higher standard. Because he says, listen, i got you covered, son. Listen, I'm giving you victory, son. Listen, I'm allowing you to overcome, son. Listen, your value wasn't what somebody else said, but it's what I I, I demonstrated when I I loved you and sent my son Jesus to die upon the cross of Calvary. So what begins to happen? Man, because I've tuned my ears to the right source and I've shut out all those other uh, opposing voices, Man, my reality begins to change. So we've talked about that word or that logos. is that written word. Praise God that we can get instantaneous faith here. I can say, man, I need to know how to handle the situation. Oh, here's some good logos for me. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm in Ephesians. Yeah, I need need some answers in my marriage. Well, he said, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Okay, that's going to become my reality. That's going to become the reality for my marriage. And so whatever it is that I want to know, I can get that logo. It's accessible to every single one of us. Then you got that rhema. Then you're thinking, man, that's, that's literally a living word. That's the word made alive. And you say, man, I've, been, I've looked at that a hundred times. And finally, man, that thing has jumped out at me. Whew, man, that's rhema. Man, that's going to help me to, to, to speed up. It's kind of like the, you know, in a race car. Rhema's kind of like that nitrous kit. You know, it's like, man, I'm rolling along and all of a sudden, boom, man, I've got, a, I've got a, a, a jolt of horsepower that enables me to speed up. Well, then there's a thing called the Sophia. And that's that wisdom and that, that revelation gained over time. It's the established word. And so I can get it. I can read it. Man, I can flip, flip. Years ago, a young man was uh, part of a victory outreach program. And they had come to New Orleans during a Mardi Gras when we hadn't be here. We didn't live here yet. That's so how long ago it's been. And he was there. and I mean, this guy might have been saved 15 minutes. I don't know. But he ran up to me and he said, he said, he said pastor, pastor. He said, can you help me? Help me. He said, give me, give me a verse of scripture I can share with people. That's all he wanted. He just wanted something. So I said, well, hand me your Bible. And, and so I pointed to him. I can't remember what it was. And, I, and so I, I said, yeah, go preach this to him. And so he runs away literally with his finger on it. And, about, and so for about 30 minutes, he's preaching whatever that word was that I gave him. And he comes back 30 minutes later. He said, can I get another one? I said, yeah, here you go. And so he, he finds that. Well, it hadn't been alive to him, but it was logos enough for him to go and use it instantaneously. Well, hopefully he's not having to run to somebody else. That word's going to become alive to him eventually. But then there's an establishment upon the word of the God. And so check this out. This is where these aspects of fruit are defined as character fruits. This is where everything begin to happen and it deepens into our life. Check this out. Colossians one twenty three. He says, continue in your faith. Colossians 1, 23. Continue in your faith. Then it says, comma, established and firm, not moved from the hope of the gospel you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So I want you to continue in your faith. Continue past the logos. Continue past the rhema continue into the Sophia, then what's going to happen? Then you're going to become established and firm and not moving from hope. Folks, listen. I know people that, men that have a legitimate experience with Christ. I would. You look at the parable of the sower. You look at these, it, it came and, man, something happened. But man, the second something difficult, or they found themselves in, in, in a tough situation. Maybe they had to face a sickness or somebody in their family, something went south on them, or they lost a loved one, or Or they lost a job. Where was God in that? Well folks, they weren't established. They didn't continue in the faith. Because folks, listen, faith isn't gonna always take you to great riches. And you know, Giddy was talking about uh, that a few weeks ago and on on, was the prosperity message he preached. It's not always gonna take you through those. Yeah, he supplies all of our need according to his riches through Christ Jesus and, and he knows what we need a lot more than we do. We think we need a lot more than what we really need. But faith is going to carry you through the lean times. Why? He's going to carry you through the furnace. He's going to carry you through all those times that seem so difficult. And so I need to continue in my faith. You remember the old song we used to sing at Mardi Gras? If you catch hell, don't hold it. And if you're going through hell, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. We're going through. We're going through. We're going through, going through, going through. Don't stop. We're going through. We're going through, going through, going through, going through. If you catch hell, don't hold it. And if you're going through hell, don't stop. Well, folks, listen. All of us are going to catch hell from time to time. Hell is going to come at us. But if it comes, don't hold on to it. It's kind of like the spiritual hot potato. When hell comes at you with all of its violence and all of its discouragement, I man, don't hold on to that thing. Don't, don't put that thing like an elf on a shelf and expect that thing to, to somehow commemorate your suffering. I man, don't hold on to that stuff. And so I want to continue in my faith until I come to a point where I'm established. And folks, listen, then it doesn't matter what I go through. It's come that hell or come high water or any circumstance that I face. It's like, listen, man, I'm not living for this world. And so faith, once again, it gives you that long-term perspective on who God is and where He desires for you to be in that place seated with Him in heavenly places. Luke chapter 17, verse 1-5, through 5, Jesus Speaking to his disciples on this issue, check this out. Luke 17, 1 through 5, that Jesus said to his disciples, He says, it Is it possible that, it, it is possible that, it's impossible, excuse me, that offenses would come. They're going to always come. But woe unto him who they come through. Anybody ever had offenses getting there yet? Right? He said, It's always going to happen. He says, and woe to those who are the source of the offense. He said if it would be better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he cast in the sea, that he should offend one of these little ones. And he said, Take heed to yourself. Examine yourself. You remember when he says, Examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith? Okay? Examine yourself. Look what he says in regards to this. If your brother trespasses against you, sins against you, he said, Rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. Okay? If he does something offensive to you, rebuke him. Call him out. Open rebukes, but in the secret love. But if he trespasses or sins against you seven times a day, then he says seven times a day, turn again to these, saying, if you repent, I'll forgive you. So how many times do you forgive your brother when he sins against you? Seven times? Seventy times seven. And the apostle said, increase our faith. Now, folks, listen. That's faith in the context of character. Why? Because show me someone who's easily offended, Show me somebody who is unforgiving, a grudge holder, somebody that lives in the past, and I'll show you somebody that's embodied by what 1 Timothy 4.1 says. You know what 1 Timothy 4.1 says? It says, The Spirit speaks that some will turn away from the faith. They'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Folks, what's the doctrine of devils that destroys people? Well, it's walking in unforgiveness. It's not walking by... Faith. If I can turn you away from the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God, then I've got you, the adversary says. And so, for us, if we're genuinely walking by faith and it builds a character, then you know what's going to do? It's going to communicate the exact same things that were communicating from the cross in regards to that. I know what they said. I know what they did. But fathers forgive them. They really don't know what they're doing. That's what faith says. Faith says, "Listen, man. If, if they sin against me seven times." In a day, I'm okay with that. They sit against me 70 times in a day. Why? Because faith says that there's something bigger at work than what I see with my eyes. My reality is not this, because even though I war I, in I the flesh, my, my, my weapons and my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's where my victory is won. And I don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rudest of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness in high places if I'm walking in the fruit of faith. Folks, listen, there's a victory for every single one of us, as the Lord says, and it's found in faith. If you're not walking in victory, you need to come back to that place and say, God, I need you to increase my faith. Because God, for somewhere along the line, the wheels have come off, and I found myself focused on the flesh. I found myself walking in self-idolatry. As despondent as I've been, as difficult as that has been done, God, listen, I've been, I put more confidence in me than I have in you. Father, we just thank you for tonight, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that we've been justified, Lord God, through faith in what Jesus did for us. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you've allotted to every single one of us, Lord God. Father, we didn't have to jump through a certain hoop to get a measure of faith, Lord God, that would enable us to overcome, Lord God. You gave it to everyone. You said you've allotted a measure of faith to all men. And so, Father, we want that faith to be cultivated. We want it to grow inside of us. We want it to produce Lord God, much fruit, Lord God, not just in, but through our lives. Father, we thank you for that. Lord God, your mercy and your goodness for us in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you.